Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and it is the beginning of the year, which means it is the time of year where we are going to take a look at the titles that are coming out in the first half of 2024. As always, a few caveats with this. First of all, this is not exhaustive. There are just too many books coming out in 2024. So what I can do is offer you a resource, and that resource is Emily Hughes. Every year, she puts out a big list full of releases, and her list will include things like short story collections and anthologies that just will not be included in this episode because of time constraints. So I will leave that link in the show notes for you to check that out. Secondly, this will only be the first half of the year. So releases coming out from January until June. So if there is a book that you were waiting to hear and you did not hear it mentioned, there is a chance it is coming out in the second half of the year. And I will release an episode around end of June, early July, talking about new releases coming out the second half of the year. And thank you to The Dark Piano for providing the music for these new releases episodes. It is fun to just add a little bit of ambiance to these synopses. And I also wanted to add that it is New Year's. I know a lot of us are making New Year's resolutions. Maybe you have a resolution to curb your spending or to utilize your local library more. And I will say you can use this episode and do that. If you hear about a book you are interested in, you can go online and be one of the first people in line to request it. And if it's not available, you can request your library purchase a copy. And that way, other people in your community can enjoy reading the book as well. With that said, let's get into the books. Starting off with This Wretched Valley by Jenny Kiefer. This is coming out January 16th from Quirk Books. This is going to be Dylan's Big Break. Her friend Clay, a geology student, has discovered an untouched cliff face in the Kentucky wilderness, and she's going to be the first person to climb it. Together with Clay, his research assistant Sylvia, and Dylan's boyfriend Luke, she is going to document her achievement on Instagram and finally cement her place as the next rising star in rock climbing. Seven months later, Three bodies are discovered in the trees just off the highway. All are in various states of decay. One body, a stark white skeleton. The second, emptied of its organs. And the third, a mutilated corpse with its tongue, eyes, ears, and fingers removed. But Dylan is still missing. Followers of her Instagram account report seeing disturbing live streams, and some even claim to have caught glimpses of her vanishing into the thick woods. But no trace of her, dead or alive, has been discovered. Were the climbers murdered? Did they succumb to cannibalism? Or are their impossible bodies the work of an even more sinister force? Is Dylan still alive? And does she hold the answers? Kicking it off strong because there is a lot to like here. This sounds so good on so many different levels. First of all, 
I think as a reader, knowing you're going to go into a book and you're going to follow these four characters and you know that three of those characters are going to die, it immediately sets the tone. It has this built-in sense of dread right from the get-go, which is exactly what I want when I'm reading a horror story. And yeah, I need to know where Dylan is. What is she doing? What does she know? So that is This Wretched Valley by Jenny Kiefer coming out January 16th from Quark. Next up, we have The House of Last Resort by Christopher Golden. This will be coming out January 30th. Across Italy, there are many half-empty towns, nearly abandoned by those who migrate to the coast or to cities. The beautiful crumbling hilltop town of Pekina is among them. But its mayor has taken drastic measures to rebuild, selling abandoned homes to anyone in the world for a single euro, as long as the buyer promises to live there for at least five years. It's a no-brainer for American couple Tommy and Kate Puglisi. Both work remotely, and Bikina is the home of Tommy's grandparents, his closest living relatives. It feels like a romantic adventure, an opportunity the young couple would be crazy not to seize. But from the moment they move in, they both feel a shadow has fallen on them. Tommy's grandmother is furious, even a little frightened when she realizes which house they've bought. There are rooms in the annex at the back of the house that they didn't know were there. The place makes strange noises at night. Locked doors are suddenly open. When they go to a family gathering, there are certain people are whispering about them and about their house the one that neighbors refer to as the house of last resort. Soon, they learned that the house was owned for generations by the church. But the real secret and the true dread is unlocked when they finally learn what the priests were doing in this house for all those long years. And how many people died in the strange chapel inside while down in the catacombs beneath Bikina, something stirs. I mean, this is just what millennials have to put up with to be homeowners in this day and age. Do you know who would be really excited about having extra rooms in an annex? Justin Long. I just feel like he would be really excited about that extra square footage. But for real, I am interested in this. This sounds very good. Fun fact, the college I went to used to be a convent a nunnery and there was a rumor that there were tunnels underneath the school that went um all the way out to the lake like underground and i wish i had proof of whether or not that was true because that would be so creepy but of course this obviously reminds me of that uh so that is the house of last resort by Christopher Golden. This is coming out January 30th. And also coming out January 30th, we have Midnight on Beacon Street by Emily Verona. October 1993. One night, one house, one dead body. When single mom Eleanor Mazinski goes out for a much-needed date night, she leaves her two young children, sweet, innocent six-year-old Ben and precocious, defiant 12-year-old Mira in the capable hands of their sitter, Amy. 
The quiet 17-year-old is good at looking after children, despite her anxiety disorder. She also loves movies, especially horror flicks. Amy likes their predictability. It calms the panic that threatens to overwhelm her. The evening starts out normally enough, with games, pizza, and dancing. But as darkness falls, events in this quaint, suburban New Jersey house take a terrifying turn. Unexpected visitors at the door, mysterious phone calls, and by midnight, little Ben is in the kitchen, standing in a pool of blood with a dead body at his feet. This is actually one I've already read, and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very well done. As someone with anxiety, I do like hearing other people talk about how horror is helpful to them, which I know sounds very strange to people outside the horror community or that aren't horror lovers, but it really is. Um, and this is perfect for people who are looking for some 90s nostalgia. You know, you've got like a home invasion slasher babysitter story. And the way the story is told kind of back and forth in time and you know that the boy is standing with the dead body at midnight. And so you're kind of all the chapters have times and like how many hours from midnight you are. And it was just very well done in this like short novel. The tension is high. So highly recommend that is Midnight on Beacon Street by Emily Verona. And moving into February with Night Watching by Tracy Sierra. This is coming out February 5th. Home alone with her young children during a blizzard, a mother tucks her son back into bed in the middle of the night. She hears a noise. Old houses are always making some kind of noise, but this sound is disturbingly familiar. It's the tread of footsteps, unusually heavy and slow, coming up the stairs. She sees the figure of a man appear down the hallway, shrouded in shadows. Terrified, she quietly wakes her children and hustles them into the oldest part of the house, a tiny secret room concealed behind a wall, where they hide as the man searches for them, trying to tempt the children out with promises and scare the mother into surrender. In the suffocating darkness, the mother struggles to remain calm to plan. Should she search for a weapon or attempt to escape? But then she catches another glimpse of him, that face, that voice. And at once she knows her situation is even more dire than she feared because she knows exactly who he is and what he wants. This premise sounds extremely tense and that tension is heightened by the absolute stress that is the responsibility of keeping children quiet uh, when the stakes are this high. Everything about this sounds terrifying. And home invasion stories, to me, are the scariest. Like when I think back to books that have kept me up at night, that have literally disrupted my sleep, they have all been home invasion stories. So. That being said, I am very excited to read this. 
That is Night Watching by Tracy Sierra. Look out for that on February 5th. And on February 15th, we have Ein Hollow by Tim McGregor. Orkney Islands, 1797. Agnes Tulloch feels cheated. This windswept place is not the island paradise her husband promised it would be when they wed. Now, with four young children, she struggles to provide for her family while her husband grows increasingly distant. When a stranger comes ashore to rent an abandoned cottage, Agnes and the other islanders are abuzz with curiosity. Who is this wealthy foreigner and why on earth would he come to Einhollow? Her curiosity is soon replaced with vexation when her husband hires her out as cook and washerwoman, leaving Agnes no say in the matter. Agnes begrudgingly befriends this aristocrat in exile, a mercurial scientist who toils night and day on some secret pursuit. Despite herself, she finds herself drawn to his dark, brooding charm. And who is this Byronic stranger sweeping Agnes off her feet? His name is Frankenstein, and he's come to this remote isle to fulfill a monstrous obligation. There's a few reasons I'm really excited for this. The first being that I've heard nothing but good things. Second, I read Hearts Strange and Dreadful by Tim McGregor, which was also historical fiction. And I just really trust him as an author to really evoke a sense of place and time. And if you are doing the Books in the Freezer reading challenge, I believe historical fiction horror is a bonus prompt. Um, but I mean, just the premise alone sounds absolutely incredible. So that is Ein Hollow by Tim McGregor that is coming out February 15th. There are a lot of books coming out in March, starting with Forgotten Sisters by Cynthia Palayo. Sisters Anna and Jenny live in a historic bungalow on the Chicago River. They're tethered to a disquieting past and with nowhere else to go, nothing can part them from their family home. Not the maddening creaks and disembodied voices that rattle the old walls, not the inexplicable drownings in the area, or the increasing number of bodies that float by Anna's window. To stave off loneliness, Anna has a podcast spinning ghostly tales of Chicago's tragic history. But when Anna captures the attention of an ardent male listener, she awakens to the possibilities of a world outside. As their relationship grows, so do Jenny's fears. More and more people are going missing in the river. And then two detectives come calling. They're looking for a link between the mysteries of the river and what's housed on the bank. Even Anna and Jenny don't understand how dreadful it is, and still can be, when the truth about their unsettled lives begins to surface. I am always going to be excited for a new Cynthia Palio novel coming out. I love that they are set in Chicago and reading the synopsis, it already feels so dreamy in a way. Um, I know 
I've heard this is very fairy tale-esque in that it has nods to The Little Mermaid, among other stories. So I am very much looking forward to diving into this. That is The Forgotten Sisters by Cynthia Palaio. And also coming out in March, we have The Haunting of Velkwood by Gwendolyn Keist. The Velkwood vicinity was the topic of occult theorists, tabloid one-hour documentaries, and even some pseudoscientific investigations. As the block of homes disappeared behind a near-impenetrable veil that only three survivors could enter. And only one has in the past 20 years. Until now. Talitha Velkwood has avoided anything to do with the tragedy that took her mother and eight-year-old sister. Drifting from one job to another, never settling anywhere or with anyone, feeling as trapped by her past as if she was still there in the small town she so desperately wanted to escape from. When a new researcher tracks her down and offers to pay her to come back to enter the vicinity, Talitha claims she's just doing it for the money. Of all the crackpot theories over the years, no one has discovered what happened the night Talitha, her estranged former best friend Brett, and Grace escaped their homes. Will she finally get the answers she's been looking for all these years? Or is this just another dead end? The minute I heard about this book, it went on my to-be-read list before I even read the premise. I can tell you now that I have read the premise, I am even more excited to dive in. I cannot wait for this. I really enjoy Gwendolyn Keist's writing. And I think after reading The Rust Maidens, I think this story is perfect for her type of storytelling. And I cannot wait to dive in. I also really like this kind of acknowledgement of the greater culture and the way that we would talk about a crazy thing like this happening and the kind of absolute phenomenon it would be. Um, Just extremely excited. So that is The Haunting of Velkwood by Gwendolyn Keist. I believe that is coming out March 5th. And also coming out March 5th, we have The Devil and Mrs. Davenport by Paulette Kennedy. The first day of autumn brought the fever, and with the fever came the voices. Missouri, 1955. Loretta Davenport has led an isolated life as a young mother and a wife to Pete, an ambitious assistant professor at a Bible college. They are the picture of domestic tranquility, until a local girl is murdered, and Loretta begins receiving messages from beyond. Pete dismisses them as delusions of a fevered female imagination. Loretta knows they're real. And frightening. Defying Pete's demands, Loretta finds an encouraging supporter in parapsychologist Dr. Curtis Hansen. He sees a woman with a rare gift, more blessing than cursed. With Dr. Hansen's help, Loretta's life opens up to an empowering new purpose. But for Pete, The God-fearing image he's worked so hard to cultivate is under threat. No longer in control of his dutiful wife, he sees the devil at work. As Loretta's powers grow stronger and the pleading spirits beckon, Pete is determined to deliver his wife from evil. To solve the mysteries of the dead, Loretta must first save herself.
I need to give a big shout out to Agatha over at the She Wore Black podcast for putting this book on my radar. I believe she posted the cover on Threads and it is a very eye-catching cover. It is a cover that screams mid-century suburban gothic and I needed to know more and I'm glad I looked into it because it sounds incredible. I just, I need to read this. Like, what if Betty Draper turned into Carrie? You know, how do you not need to read that? That is The Devil and Mrs. Davenport coming out March 5th by Paulette Kennedy. And also coming out March 5th, we have Murder Road by Simone St. James. July 1995. April and Eddie have taken a wrong turn. They're looking for the small resort town where they plan to spend their honeymoon when they spot what appears to be a lone hitchhiker along the deserted road. They stop to help, but not long after the hitchhiker gets into their car, they see the blood seeping from her jacket and a truck barreling down Atticus Line after them. When the hitchhiker dies at the local hospital, April and Eddie find themselves in the crosshairs of the Cold Lake Falls police. Unexplained murders have been happening along Atticus Line for years, and cops finally have two witnesses who easily become their only suspects. As April and Eddie start to dig into the history of the town and that horrible stretch of road to clear their names, they soon learn that there is something supernatural at work, something that could not only tear the town and its dark secrets apart, but take April and Eddie down with it all. This is what life was like in a pre-Google Maps world. We were just all getting on murder roads. Also, can we talk about how straightforward of a title it is? So economical. There's no wasted words here. This book is about a murder road. And you know what? That is the title of the book. It is Murder Road. This book is about a murder road. All jokes aside, I do enjoy Simone St. James as a thriller writer. So very much looking forward to the twists and turns, if you will, found in Murder Road. So that'll be coming out March 5th from Simone St. James. And that title, once again, is Murder Road. March 5th is a big day because we also have Thirst by Marina Yushuk coming out. And apologies if that is an incorrect pronunciation on the last name. I tried to find something online, a pronunciation guide to help, and I really couldn't find anything. So that is my best guess. It is the twilight of Europe's bloody bacchanals of murder and feasting without end. In the 19th century, a vampire arrives from Europe to the coast of Buenos Aires. And for the second time in her life, watches as villages transform into a cosmopolitan city, one that will soon be ravaged by yellow fever. She must adapt, intermingle with humans, and be discreet. In present-day Buenos Aires, a woman finds herself at an impasse as she grapples with her mother's terminal illness and her own relationship with motherhood. When she first encounters the vampire in a cemetery, something ignites within the two women and they cross a threshold from which there is no turning back. 
I have been extremely excited for this book since I heard about it. And let me read you some of the copy here. It says, with echoes of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and written in the vein of feminist gothic writers like Shirley Jackson, Daphne du Maurier, and Carmen Maria Machado, Thirst plays with boundaries of genre while exploring the limits of female agency, the consuming power of desire, and the fragile vitality of even the most immortal of creatures. So yeah, as you can imagine, this went straight to my TBR. With comparisons to authors like that, I mean, it has to. That was Thirst by Marina Yushuk. On March 19th, we have The Woods All Black by Lee Mandelo. It says, The Woods All Black is equal parts historical horror, trans romance, and blood-soaked revenge, all set in 1920s Appalachia. Leslie Bruin is assigned to the backwoods of Spar Township by the Frontier Nursing Service, under its usual mandate. Vaccinate the flock, birth babies, and weather the judgments of churchy locals who look at him and see a failed woman. Forged in the fires of the Western Front and reborn in the cafes of Paris, Leslie believes he can handle whatever is thrown at him. But Spark Creek holds a darkness beyond his nightmares. Something ugly festers within the local congregation, and its malice has focused on a young person they insist is an unruly tomboy who must be brought to heel. Violence is bubbling when Leslie arrives, ready to spill over, and he'll have to act fast if he intends to be of use. But the hills enfolding Spar Creek have a mind of their own, and the woods are haunted in ways Leslie does not understand. I really like the sound of this. I like stories about the horrors of religion in small towns. And I also think it would make a great choice if you are doing the bonus prompts for the reading challenge, because one of them is historical horror. So that is The Woods All Black by Lee Mandelo. Also coming out in March, we have Angel of Indian Lake by Stephen Graham Jones. This will be the final book in the Lake Witch trilogy. It's been four years in prison since Jade Daniels last saw her hometown of Proof Rock, Idaho. The day she took the fall protecting her friend Letha and her family from incrimination. Since then, her reputation and the town have changed dramatically. There's a lot of unfinished business in Proof Rock, from serial killer cultists to the rich trying to buy Western authenticity. But there's one aspect of Proof Rock no one wants to confront until Jade comes back to town. The curse of the Lake Witch is waiting, and now is the time for the final stand. I don't think I can even begin to articulate how excited I am for this third entry in this trilogy. I just finished reading Don't Fear the Reaper a few weeks ago and absolutely loved it. It's just that Stephen Graham Jones knows what makes a slasher work and thinks of things you wouldn't think of. But it's not just that he's providing the story that checks off everything a slasher should be. It's that he gives us a great slasher story and also gives us one of the greatest horror protagonists in years. 
in Jay Daniels. Jay Daniels is truly my final girl, and I am so excited to read this. That is Angel of Indian Lake by Stephen Graham Jones, and that'll be coming out March 26th. Also coming out March 26th, we have Diavola by Jennifer Marie Thorne. Anna has only two rules for the annual Pace family destination vacations. Tread lightly and survive. It isn't easy when she's the only one in the family who doesn't quite seem to fit. Her twin brother Benny goes with the flow so much he's practically dissolved. And her older sister Nicole is so used to everyone, including her blandly docile husband and two kids, falling in line that Anna often ends up in trouble for simply asking a question. Mom seizes every opportunity to question her life choices, and Dad, when not reminding everyone who has paid for vacation, just wants some peace and quiet. The gorgeous remote villa in tiny Monteperso seems like a perfect place to endure so much family togetherness, including Benny's demanding new boyfriend, it's Christopher, not Chris. That is, until things start going off the rails. The strange noises at night, the unsettling warnings from local villagers, and oh, the dark, violent past of the villa itself. There's a part of the copy here that says, Warning may invoke feelings of irritation, dread, and despair that come with large family gatherings. And I love that. The cover for this is really good. I would not have known this was a like dysfunctional family vacation, possibly haunted house story, but I am here for all of those things. Like all of those things are things that I am obsessed with in stories. So yes, I will be picking this up. I believe this is the same author that wrote Loot, um, which I also had a fun time with. So looking forward to this. That is Diavolo by Jennifer Marie Thorne. That'll be coming out March 26th. And we are on to April releases, kicking it off with Cranberry Cove by Haley Piper. This will be coming out April 2nd. There's not a lot here yet, but I will say it says Bram Stoker award-winning author Haley Piper joins Bad Hand Books with a supernatural crime novella, What's been happening at Cranberry Cove? It's unspeakable. It's unspoken. Emberly Hale is about to take a dark journey inside at the derelict hotel and inside her own past to find out the horrible truth. I do love the sound of that, and I do love Haley Piper, so I will be checking that out. Again, that is Cranberry Cove by Haley Piper. That'll be coming out April 2nd. And coming out to April 7th, we have Indian Burial Ground by Nick Medina. All Noemi Broussard wanted was a fresh start. With a boyfriend who actually treats her right, and a plan to move from the reservation she grew up on, just like her beloved Uncle Louis before her, things are finally looking up for Noemi. Until the news of her boyfriend's apparent suicide brings her world crumbling down. But the facts around Roddy's death just don't add up. And Noemi isn't the only one who suspects that something menacing might be lurking within their tribal lands. After over a decade away, Uncle Louis has returned to the reservation, bringing with him a past full of secrets, horror, and what might be the key to determining Roddy's true cause of death. 
Together, Noemi and Louis set out to find answers. But as they get closer to the truth, Noemi begins to wonder whether it might be for the best for some secrets to remain buried. This is a book I have heard very good things about, and I am mad at myself for missing his debut novel, Sisters of a Lost Nation. It was on my TBR. You know how it is. I just didn't end up getting to it. So I would like to prioritize this this year, and it sounds like it would also make a great choice for the reading challenge. So once again, that is Indian Burial Ground by Nick Medina. That'll be coming out April 7th. Coming out April 9th, we have A Better World by Sarah Langen. You'll be safe here. That's what the greasy tour guide tells the farmer Bowens when they visit Plymouth Valley. A walled-off company town with clean air, pantries that never go empty, and blue-ribbon schools. On a very trial basis, the company offers to hire Linda Farmer's husband, a numbers genius, and relocate her whole family to this bucolic paradise for the 0.001%. Though Linda will have to make the sacrifice to her medical career back home. The family jumps at the opportunity. They'd be crazy not to take it. With the outside world literally falling apart, this might be the Farmer Bowen's last chance. But fitting in takes work. The pampered locals distrust outsiders, cruelly snubbing Linda, Russell, and their teen twins. And the residents fervently adhere to a group of customs and beliefs called hollow. But what exactly is hollow? It's Linda who brokers acceptance by volunteering her medical skills to the most powerful people in town with their pet charity, Act Hollow. In the months afterward, Everything seems fine. Sure, Russell starts hyperventilating through a paper bag in the middle of the night, and the kids have drifted like bridgeless islands. But living here is worth sacrificing their family's closeness, isn't it? At least they'll survive. The trouble is, the locals never say what they think. They seem scared. And Hollow's ominous culminating event the Plymouth Valley Winter Festival is coming. Linda's warned by her husband and her powerful new friends to stop asking questions. But the more she learns, the more frightened she becomes. Should the farmer Bowens be fighting to stay or fighting to get out? I really enjoyed Sarah Langan's previous novel, Good Neighbors. I felt like she did a really great job of portraying suburban insularity and cliquishness and passive aggressive to outright aggressive interactions within this suburban community. I think all while having this speculative fiction kind of world building going on outside the community. So I'm really excited to get into this with this like gated community for the elites. I'm very excited about the world building and what's going on outside these walls. And it sounds like kind of a culty element to it as well that I'm really interested in. And I don't know, part of me is wondering if it could take a turn for like folk horror. It's just, I'm feeling Harvest Home by Thomas Tron. I don't know. 
I don't know if it goes that way. That is just me throwing that out there, but that would be really cool. I'm just very interested in this. I'm very excited about this. So that is A Better World by Sarah Langan, and that will be coming out April 9th. And coming out April 23rd, we have First Light by Liz Karen. I came all this way to watch you burn. It's been nine months since the catastrophe in Tucson sent Mia fleeing from her home, but she's not running away from the darkness. She's running toward it, obsessively pursuing the man who gave her mother a thirst for blood and destroyed their lives. But when Mia finds the monsters she's been hunting and infiltrates a secret network of fugitives, she discovers she might have been their prey all along. To escape their clutches, she'll have to reckon with her mother's harrowing past and confront a painful truth. That they might be more alike than she ever imagined. This is the sequel to Night's Edge, which we mentioned in the favorites of 2023 episode. I'm very much looking forward to this follow-up. It seems like Mia goes through a lot, and I am very excited to read about her character development. I will say the copy here says that this is a morally gray and timely story bursting with Suki Stackhouse vibes, but will also appeal to fans of Catrion Award and Zoya Stage. So that is First Light by Liz Karen. That'll be coming out April 26th. On April 16th, we have Immortal Pleasures by V. Castro. Hundreds of years ago, she was known as La Malinche, a Nahua woman who translated for the Conquistador Cortes. In the centuries since, her name has gone down in infamy as a traitor. But no one ever found out what happened to La Malinche after Cortes destroyed her people. In the ashes of the empire, she was reborn as Malinali, an immortal vampire. And she has become an avenger of conquered peoples, traveling the world to reclaim their stolen artifacts and return them to their homelands. But she has been in search of something more, for this ancient vampire still has deeply human longings for pleasure and for love. When she arrives in Dublin in search of a pair of Aztec skulls, artifacts intimately connected to her own dark history, she finds something else, two men who satisfy her cravings in very different ways. For the first time, she meets a mortal man, a horror novelist, who is not repelled by her strange condition, but attracted by it. But there is also another man, an immortal like herself, who shares the darkness in her heart. Now Malinali is on the most perilous adventure of all, a journey into her own desires. I am always here for a new V. Castro book. Um, I am excited about sexy vampires but i'm also excited because she i feel like does such a great job of having such raw emotions in her book whether that be like raw grief or like in a lot of cases like raw anger and vengeance and you know what here for it so that is immortal pleasures by v castro that will be coming out april 16th and this cover is amazing 
And coming out April 23rd from Ghoulish is The Day of the Door by Laurel Hightower. I don't think there's a full synopsis yet, but I will read what there is because from the moment this was announced, I was pretty excited about it and I'm sure you'll be able to see why. So it says, introducing Laurel Hightower's The Day of the Door, in which three grieving siblings confront their manipulative mother after learning of her participation in a popular paranormal television show designed to dramatize the most traumatic day of their childhood, pitched as The Haunting of Hill House meets A Head Full of Ghosts. So yeah, not only is there a few keywords there that caught my attention, but it also is Laurel Hightower, who is really good at emotional horror. I think anyone who's read Crossroads has had their heart ripped out. Uh, when I read below her kind of Mothman novella, um, it was on my best of the year list. I was on the edge of my seat and also feeling like a full range of emotions. So needless to say, very excited about this. That is The Day of the Door by Laurel Hightower. And coming out April 9th by Lindy Ryan is Bless Your Heart. Rise and shine, the Evans women have some undead to kill. It's 1999 in Southeast Texas, and the Evans women, owners of the only funeral parlor in town, are keeping steady with normal business. The dead die. You bury them. End of story. That's how Ducey Evans has done it for the last 80 years, and her progeny, Lenore, the experimenter, and Grace, Lenore's soft-hearted daughter, have run the Evans funeral parlor for the last 15 years without drama. Ever since that god-awful mess that left two bodies in the ground and Grace raising her infant daughter, Luna, alone. But when the town gossip Mina Jean Murphy's body is brought in for a regular burial, and she rises from the dead instead, it's clear that the Strigoi, the original vampire, are back. And the Evans women are the ones who need to fight back to protect their town. As more folk in the town turn up dead and Deputy Roger Taylor begins asking way too many questions, Ducey, Lenore, and Grace, and now Luna, must take up their blades and figure out who is behind the Strigoi's return. As the saying goes, what rises up must go back down. But as unspoken secrets and revelations spill from the past and into the present, the Evans family must face that sometimes the dead aren't the only things you want to keep buried. I love everything about this, first of all, and I will say when I had graduated high school and was going to college, I was not as familiar with a lot of vernacular of the American South, but throughout my college experience, I did have a few Southern roommates who taught me a few things, and one of those things is, bless your heart is not nice. It is the thing Southern people say, like when they want to say something mean, and they say like, bless your heart. But I love the idea of this Texas funeral home that's run by like several generations of women. You know, it's giving Texas six feet under with vampires. And I don't know how you could not be excited about that. So that is Bless Your Heart by Lindy Ryan. That'll be coming out April 9th. And moving on to May with The House That Horror Built by Christina Henry coming out May 14th. Javier values discretion, and Harry has always tried to clean the house immaculately, keep her head down, and keep her job safe. She needs the money to support her son. But then she starts hearing noises from behind a locked door. 
Noises that sound remarkably like a human voice calling for help, even though Javier lives alone and never has visitors. Harry knows that not asking questions is a vital part of keeping her job, but she soon finds that the Forbidding House may be home to secrets she can't ignore. Harry Adams has always loved horror movies, so it's not totally a coincidence that she took a job cleaning house for the movie director Javier Castillo. His forbidding gray stone Chicago mansion, Bright Horses, is filled from top to bottom with terrifying props and costumes, as well as glittering awards from his career-making horror films that thrilled audiences. Until family, tragedy, and scandal forced him to vanish from the industry. I do love a Chicago setting. I love fictional horror movies and horror movie directors in books. I love Christina Henry, and this sounds like it's giving gothic goodness. So we'll be checking that out. That is The House That Horror Built, coming out May 14th by Christina Henry. And on May 14th, we also have My Darling Dreadful Thing by Johanna Van Veen. Ruse Beckman has a spirit companion only she can see. Ruth, strange, corpse-like, and dead for centuries, is the only good thing in Ruse's life, which is filled with sordid backroom seances organized by her mother. That is, until wealthy young widow Agnes Snoop attends one of these seances and asks Ruse to come live with her at the crumbling estate she inherited upon the death of her husband. The manor is unsettling, but the attraction between Ruse and Agnes is palpable. So how does someone end up dead? Ruse is caught red-handed, but she claims a spirit is the culprit. Dr. Montague, a psychologist tasked with finding out whether Ruse can be considered mentally fit to stand trial, suspects she's created an elaborate fantasy to protect her from what really happened. But Ruse knows spirits are real. She's loved one of them. She'll have to prove her innocence and her sanity, or lose everything. The cover for this is definitely initially what drew me in. The premise sounds fantastic. And when I posted um, a picture of a few of the arcs I had received for this upcoming year, I think I had the most comments about this book, about people who had already read it and loved it, which always gives me hope. So very excited to dig into this one if you are looking for gothic goodness. Honestly, May. May is a good month for gothic, it seems. This is My Darling Dreadful Thing by Johanna Van Veen. This will be coming out May 14th. And let's go right into June with Bored Gay Werewolf by Tom Santarella. Brian, an aimless slacker, works doubles at his shift job, forgets to clean his room, and lays about with his friends, Nick and Darby. He's been struggling to manage his transition into adulthood almost as much as his monthly transitions to a werewolf. Really, he is not great at the whole werewolf thing, and his recent murderous slip-ups have caught the attention of Tyler, a millennial were-mentor determined to take the mythological world by storm. Tyler has got a plan, and weirdly, his self-help punditry actually encourages Brian to shape up and to stop accidentally marking out guys who ghosted him on Grindr as potential monthly victims. 
But as Brian gets closer to Tyler's pack and alienated from Nick and Darby, he realizes that Tyler's expansion plans are much more nefarious than a little lupine entertainment. I love horror comedies. Obviously, the title and the cover immediately caught my attention. But you're telling me this is a comedic takedown of like alpha bro self-help influencers through a werewolf lens? Absolutely, I will be there. That is Bored Gay Werewolf by Tom Santarella. Coming out June 5th is Youth Juice by E.K. Satyu. From Sophia Bannon's first day on the storytelling team here at Hebe, a luxury skincare wellness company based in New York's trendy Soho neighborhood, it's clear something is deeply amiss. But Sophia, pushing 30, with plenty of skeletons in her closet next to the designer knockoffs, doesn't care. Though she leads an outwardly charmed life, she aches for a deeper meaning to her flat existence and a cure for her brutal nail-biting habit. She finds it all and more at Hebe and with Tree Whitestone, Hebe's charismatic founder and CEO. Soon, Sophia is addicted to her Hebe lifestyle, especially youth juice, the fatty, soothing moisturizer Tree has asked Sophia to test. But when cracks in Hebe's infrastructure start to worsen, and Sophia learns the gruesome secret ingredient at the heart of youth juice, she has to decide how far she's willing to go to stay beautiful forever. There are quite a few things that caught my eye with this, but one of them, probably the first thing that caught my eye, was the cover. It is very minimalist, it's pale pink, and it has a hand holding a container of moisturizer, and then it looks like there is blood dripping from the hand. So absolutely yes. I also heard this described as a coming of rage story, which I am always into. And I did see a mention of a toxic female friendship, which again, sign me up here for that. I am really loving these stories, taking a closer look or viewing the beauty industry through a horror lens. I feel like that's something I am very interested in. That is Youth Juice by E.K. Sathew. That'll be coming out June 5th. And coming out June 25th, we have Horror Movie by Paul Tremblay. In June 1993, a group of young guerrilla filmmakers spent four weeks making Horror Movie, a notorious, disturbing, art house horror flick. The weird part, only three of the film's scenes were ever released to the public. But Horror Movie has nevertheless grown a rabid fan base. Three decades later, Hollywood is pushing for a big budget reboot. The man who played the Thin Kid is the only surviving cast member. He remembers all too well the secrets buried within the original screenplay, the bizarre events of the filming, and the dangerous crossed lines on set that resulted in tragedy. As memories flood back in, the boundaries between reality and film, past and present, start to blur. But he's going to help remake the film, even if it means navigating a world of cynical producers, egomaniacal directors, and surreal fan conventions. Demons of the past be damned. But at what cost? 
It's always a good year when we have a new Paul Tremblay novel to look forward to, and this sounds great. I'd love to imagine that if Horror Movie was a real movie, it absolutely would be all over TikTok. And, you know, the algorithm is targeted, so I absolutely get like, this is the most disturbing horror movie nobody's ever seen. Um, and it absolutely would be included in those lists in this world. So very excited about that. As I've mentioned many times, big fan of the like fictional horror movie cursed film genre. So that is Horror Movie by Paul Tremblay. That'll be coming out June 25th. And on June 18th, we have Middle of the Night by Riley Saker. The worst thing to ever happen on Hemlock Circle occurred in Ethan Marsh's backyard. One July night, 10-year-old Ethan and his best friend and neighbor, Billy, fell asleep in a tent set up on a manicured lawn in a quiet, quaint New Jersey cul-de-sac. In the morning, Ethan woke up alone. During the night, someone had sliced the tent open with a knife and taken Billy. He was never seen again. 30 years later, Ethan has reluctantly returned to his childhood home. Plagued by bad dreams and insomnia, he begins to notice strange things happening in the middle of the night. Someone seems to be roaming the cul-de-sac at odd hours, and signs of Billy's presence keep appearing in Ethan's backyard. Is someone playing a cruel prank? Or has Billy, long thought to be dead, somehow returned to Hemlock Circle? The mysterious occurrences prompt Ethan to investigate what really happened that night. A quest that reunites him with former friends and neighbors and leads him into the woods that surround Hemlock Circle. Woods where Billy claimed monsters roamed and where a mysterious institute does clandestine research on a crumbling estate. The closer Ethan gets to the truth, the more he realizes that no place, be it quiet forest or suburban street, is completely safe and that the past has a way of haunting the present. I am here for all of these dark suburban horror thriller stories. This, I am liking this. It's a subgenre that I enjoy. And I, of course, always look forward to a new Riley Sager book. And the cover for this is really good. Actually, all of the suburban stories have really good covers, like really channeling that like suburban gothic thing. I am into it. That is Middle of the Night by Riley Sager. That'll be coming out June 18th. Next up, we have The Eyes Are the Best Part by Monica Kim, coming out June 18th. Jiwon's life tumbles into disarray in the wake of her appa's extramarital affair and subsequent departure. Her mother, distraught, her younger sister, hurt and confused, her college freshman grades, failing, her dreams, horrifying yet enticing. In them, Jimon walks through bloody rooms full of eyes. Succulent blue eyes. Salivatingly blue eyes. Eyes the same shape and shade as George's, who is Uma's obnoxious new boyfriend. George has already overstayed his welcome in her family's claustrophobic apartment. He brags about his puffed-up consulting job, ogles Asian waitresses while dining out, and acts condescending towards Jiwon and her sister as if he deserves all of Uma's fawning adoration. No, 
George doesn't deserve anything from her family. Jiwon will make sure of that. For no matter how many victims accumulate around her campus, or how many people she must deceive and manipulate, Jiwon's hunger and her rage deserve to be sated. If you have not seen the cover for this book, I highly recommend looking it up. I'm thinking it'll definitely be on the thumbnail, so hopefully you can just look at that. Um, but I, yeah, I added it to my to-read list before ever reading the premise. And then I saw, I want to say it was Haley Piper blurbed it, so she read an early copy of it and said that it was great. So this is a highly anticipated book for me. Very excited for it. That is The Eyes Are the Best Part by Monica Kim coming out June 18th. June 18th is a big day because we also have How to Make a Horror Movie and Survive by Craig DeLuey. Horror isn't horror, unless it's real. Max Mori should be on top of the world. He's a famous horror director. Actors love him. Hollywood needs him. He's making money hand over fist. But it's the 80s, and he's directing cheap slashers for audiences who only crave more blood. Not real art. Not real horror. And Max's slimy producer refuses to fund any of his new ideas. Sally Priest dreams of being the final girl. She knows she's got what it takes to score the lead role, even if she's only been cast in small parts so far. When Sally meets Max at his latest rap party, she sets out to impress him and prove her scream queen prowess. But when Max discovers an old camera that filmed a very real Hollywood horror, he knows that he has to use this camera for his next movie. The only problem is that it came with a cryptic warning and sometimes wails. By the time Max discovers the true evil lying within, he's already dead set on finishing the scariest movie ever put to film. And like it or not, it's Sally's time to shine as the final girl. I really enjoy Craig DeLuey's writing. I was a big fan of Children of Red Peak, and I had a lot of fun with episode 13. And this sounds like it will be right up my alley. So cannot wait to check this out. That is How to Make a Horror Movie and Survive by Craig DeLuey. And lastly, coming out June 25th, we have Incidents Around the House by Josh Mallerman. To eight-year-old Bella, her family is her world. There's Mommy, Daddo, and Grandma Ruth. But there is also Other Mommy, a malevolent entity who asks her every day, Can I go inside your heart? When horrifying incidents around the house signal that Other Mommy is growing tired of asking Bella the same question over and over. Bella understands that unless she says yes soon, her family must pay. Other mommy is getting restless, stronger, bolder. Only the bonds of family can keep Bella safe, but other incidents show cracks in her parents' marriage. The safety Bella relies on is on the brink of unraveling, but other mommy needs an answer.
This is a very creepy sounding book, which means I think it's a great note to end on. Creepy kids are creepy, and this is giving Coraline on steroids. So excited about that. That is Incidents Around the House by Josh Mallerman. That will be coming out June 25th. So those are new releases to look out for the first half of the year. Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Instagram, Threads, and TikTok at Books in the Freezer. You can send us an email at booksinthefreezer at gmail.com. It is January, and the best time to check out the brand new 2024 Books in the Freezer Reading Challenge on Storygraph. Though I think if you are manually typing in and searching for it, I do have it abbreviated. So it is 2024 BITF Reading Challenge. I have had a few people message me who had trouble trying to find it by searching books in the freezer. So apologies. It is under BITF. There are almost 300 people signed up and participating on Storygraph. And that is not counting the people that are just participating through Instagram. So check that out. We have a lot of fun prompts this year. We got some bonus prompts like horror westerns, historical horror, books over 400 pages, read a book with a color in the title. It's fun. You should check it out. And we got a new five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much to Seepsy, who says, best horror book podcast. Five stars, recently discovered and really enjoying. Highly recommend. Thank you so much. You can also leave a five-star review on a site like Apple Podcasts, or if you, like me, listen through Spotify, after you listen to a full episode, you have the option to leave a star rating. You don't even have to write anything. You can just leave a star rating. So thank you to all of you who have done that. Also, Spotify gives you the option of commenting any thoughts you have after episodes. If there's a book you think I should check out, if there's something that you really enjoyed, please leave a comment. If you are looking for ways to support the podcast, those ways will be available in the show notes, but you can become a Patreon supporter on Patreon where you can get early access to episodes and bonus content and group chats. So if that sounds interesting to you, you can check that out. There is also a link for merch and some affiliate links available, things like Libro FM and Fangoria. I'm Stephanie. You can find me on the Books in the Freezer socials that were mentioned earlier, threads, Instagram, and TikTok. Thank you so much for listening and see you next time on Books in the Freezer. Books in the Freezer.